Já viu rico namorar pobre? It is your girl, Amanda Elizabeth, to the young, giving you the full government this week because that is just how much I respect you. I have my two partners in crime with me today. We have the curly, swirly, girly, Sherry Thompson. The curly, swirly, girly. Goodbye. Goodbye. And we have... Hmm... Who do we have today? Bitch, what are you doing? Oh, what's going on? It's me. <laughs> I'm thinking. I was trying to think of a are nickname for him. I didn't get a oh. cute name because I'm not cute. Well, you have a nickname. It's Petsicola Paul. It's not reinvent the wheel. That's true. Break the wheel. We have a human trash box with us today. I'll take it. I'll take it. Give me your garbage. <laughs> yes. Take the trash out, Jane. Um, okay, cool. So we are here. It is episode 10. I cannot believe it. This season is truly flying by and we are not bored yet. So that is really exciting for you all because usually around this time, full disclosure, we're ready for this thing to just pack up and go. We are trucking along and we are happy to be bringing you the tea this week. Question. Have we done 40 episodes? We have done 40 episodes. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that. We've We've done 40 40 episodes of this podcast. Oh my God. We're like actual legit podcasters. Wait, so are we doing, are we doing, it's 15 episodes per season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Sorry. (laughs) Hi, I'm on this podcast. Okay. My bad. 40 episodes. I've been on about 30. You have. Maybe 25, <laughs> but you're here now and that's all that matters. Me and Sherry were just talking behind your back about how it would be nice for you to go on vacation because it was cool when you used to like be gone sometimes, but. Okay. You can't tell me that it's cool for me to be gone and then scream at me whenever I am gone. That's true. That's very true. But that's what made me. it cool. <laughs> it was me who brought it up, honestly, because I was saying that it was cool sometimes when you were gone because it mixed up the dynamic, but because we reprimanded him so many times and he, he finally did the assignment. Now it's just these same three bitches every week. So you're right, Shane. What was you're funny right. was you were gone and we were talking shit about you. It was really bringing in essence that I feel like was Maybe fun. Maybe I should leave. Pod. Well, you can talk shit about me on the, on the air. Yeah, yeah, we do that. here. But yeah, maybe I'll go I get should my be. asshole bleached again, and and I'll let y'all know how it, it goes. Nice for you when you did that. <laughs> that was actually hilarious that <laughs> we said that, and I love that about us. We are too funny. Okay, so what has anyone watched this week? Listened to, vibed out to you that you would like to um, share with the group? I'll go. I never go first, so I'll go first. Um, I've been watching How to Fix a Drug Scandal which is not new. I think it came out like two years ago, 
but it's about Massachusetts, which is so corrupt, about Boston and Amherst and how these two state chemists literally were either smoking straight crack, mixing it in the lab that they worked at and sending people to jail with false drug reports. It was insane. And it talks about how the feds had to come in and how the attorney general of Massachusetts tried to cover it up. It, it was crazy. I have never seen anything like that. And it's pretty recent. It happened in like 2011. I feel like I remember that story, but wow. The things that the one in Amherst, she was this white woman who was taking like pure substances and like just taking it at work for years, for over a decade. It was it was insane. But yeah, that's what I'm watching. That sounds good. I always love that you give us like these like documentaries and like real life stuff because I I too often am like focused on fiction. Um, I feel that. So my recommendation this week, I was super excited this weekend because I am a whore for Mike Flanagan, uh, the director who did Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Dr. Sleep. Um, and he has a new original limited series out on Netflix now called Midnight Mass. And it just premiered this past weekend. And I intentionally went into it blind. Um, I, re- I didn't watch any trailers. I didn't read up synopsis. Um, so I don't want to say too much about it, but would highly, highly, highly recommend it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, he's doing what he does best, which is using the lens of horror. Um, to ultimately tell stories about grief, um, death, and specifically in this series, like uses the guise of religion as um, a meditation on like how humans have this really deep guttural need for purpose. Um, and it is very hunting. It's very beautiful. Um, I sobbed, I jumped. I had a great time. It's fantastic. Check it out. Mike Flanagan has me jumping like a fucking bean. Like every time I watch his shit, I'm so scared, like truly terrified. And I think to myself, nothing has happened. I don't know why I'm so deeply haunted by what is going on, but it's the ambiance. He really creates this like tension that is lingering through the air that you're afraid of legitimately nothing. Nothing has happened in three episodes and you're crying. That's the thing. He literally does this. Like, I think him, Ari Aster and Robert Eggers right now are like the three directors that are really like changing horror. And they're, I was telling my friend the day, I was like, they're, they're making horror less of like a quote unquote joke to the masses. Like they are making horror like art. Like they are the most visceral, like, like examinations of like the human experience. Although I don't know that I would call him horror. I would say he's like thriller genre. Yeah. He gives me, he gives me thriller, but also like there's some horror in there, but I, the thing with Mike Flanagan is like, he's just atmospheric. Like everything is thematic and atmospheric and like he has some jump scares. Um, there's specifically the one that everybody always talks about haunting a pill house. And there's one in, midnight mass that is comparable that it's like the one jump scare that hit me in the entire series. And like it had, you know, like whenever you jump so hard, like your, your entire body, like is tingling and like, it kind of hurts. Which one is it? What? What scene is it? Which jump scare is it? I'm not telling you which jump scare it is in midnight mass because that'll give it away, but it's amazing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I kind of want to be prepared, but that's fine. 
No, that takes the fun out of it. <laughs> so my recommendation is kind of lame because I'm the last to the party, but whatever. I started watching Ted Lasso and I have to say so far it lives up to the hype. I'm really enjoying the characters. I feel like I'm always a fan of actors who can give you a larger than life character, but still have it grounded in truth. And I feel like you get that with Ted Lasso and the character I feel is inherently good. And I think that's really interesting to see on TV. I feel like it sounds like it would be boring to have a truly good character portrayed on screen because it's like, where do you have to go? But it's so compelling. And Jason Sudeikis does such a great job. I have loved it so far. I definitely recommend it. It's nice and lighthearted. The episodes are short and easy to watch. And it's just good, clean fun. And I think we need that sometimes. We be hella fucking depressed all the time. It's nice to watch something that's not, you know, egging me on. Something that my therapist is not going to say, please don't ever watch that again. She's probably supportive of me watching Ted Lasso. So I think that's a welcome change. That's like... I really miss Black Mirror, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't need Black Mirror right now. <laughs> so is Black Mirror just never coming back? They were like, here's a movie. You guys can fuck off. Well, the creator like literally said, like, he doesn't know if it's over. He was just like, at this point, he was like, this is not what the world needs right now. He was like, honestly, like the world that we're living in is too dark. And like, it's we're living in a black, we're living in the most immersive Black Mirror episode ever made. So like. There's no need to have Black Mirror right now. And he's been focusing on other stuff. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> that makes total sense. <laughs> I hate that for us. Every day is just nothing but dread. But that's why I think you should watch Ted Lasso. And I think that's also why it's become so popular is because it really kind of alleviates some of the stress and pressure of our everyday life. And how nice. We haven't had a truly feel-good TV show in who knows how long. Even some of my favorite comedies like Veep, for example, hinge on the fact that the world is a shitty place to live in. Ted Lasso's world is not so bad. And I think that's fun. I want to go there. I want to be there with Ted. Well, it is officially becoming harder and harder to be a Barb these days. If you have a Barb in your life, text them, ask them if they are okay. Please be sure that you know their whereabouts because things are getting absolutely out of hand. At first, it was all fun and games because our good friend, Onika Mirage, also known as Nikki Minaj, she was saying some kind of unsavory things about, you know, public health in the time of a pandemic. Um, she had mentioned that she wasn't going to be attending the Met Gala because they were requiring vaccinations and she just does not know that they are safe. So her reasoning for whether or not the vaccine is safe is because her cousin's friend in Trinidad got the vaccine and one of his testicles was inflamed. Um, and Nicki Minaj thinks that that is a good reason for her not to get the vaccine because one of her testicles might too become inflamed. And I just really want to understand since when is word of mouth um, more trustworthy than fucking medicine and science? That is bizarre to me. But what I do know is that their prime minister in Trinidad 
was basically their whole public health safety team, whatever, basically had a witch hunt trying to find this friend in his enlarged testicle. And the very messy prime minister of Trinidad said, we searched high and low and such a person was not found. And that shit cracked me up beyond belief. And what is even funnier than that are all of the tweets that came after dragging Nicki Minaj for her very spotty judgment when it comes to science. I am not going to lie. I've loved every second of this. This is one of my favorite things that's happened on the internet in a long time. It's the fact that she went on Twitter and she was like, I am doing my own research. And once I'm done with my research, like I'll make the decision. Everybody was like, are you telling me you have a team of professional scientists that are doing this research for you? Or are you looking up people's white ants on Facebook that are posting, you know, poorly put together graphics about how the vaccine is inappropriate. And then she goes and posts a poll and goes, Hey guys, what kind of vac, which vaccine do you think I should get? And somebody responded and said, bitch, is this the, is this the research you're doing? (laughs) Asking people on Twitter. That always gets me when people are like, once I do my own research, then I'll be able to tell. I'm like, bitch, do you have a fucking group of people who are willing to take the vaccine and also a control where you can test against? Like, do you have a lab that I don't know about? Are you extracting people's DNA to be able to see how the vaccine is working with their structures? Like, I'm really confused as to what type of research you think that you could be doing from Google. I do want to say one thing that I think is hilarious so most of the caribbean because they are third world countries do not have the vaccines that we have so pfizer moderna that means because my family lives in the bahamas some of them and they got astrazeneca so you're telling me onika that you are worried about a vaccine that did not pass u.s trials and you have had access for over a year to damn Pfizer and Moderna, and you're still doing a Twitter poll about which vaccine you should get? Because your cousin's friend had big balls? Mama. I... I, I, Let me put myself on mute, because I am still stuck on how people think they can do their research from their computer. Bitch, this is not a fucking book report. This requires... (laughs) actual patients to be able to test on like i'm hold so on, confused by that my book reports were lit i did extensive research okay i was about to say my book reports had more research than Nicki minaj is <laughs> doing Nikki, on a fucking vaccine like this is before wikipedia was a certified reference okay she is going on wikipedia and the shade room to find her findings and it's just even the shade, shade room, room i said what i said <laughs> Now, hold on. Don't talk about the Shade Room now. Shade Room is where I find my most reliable news. Don't come for the Shade Room now. They've never told a lie. And that well, is even true. Well, she should have come to say la tea, and we would have told her, you should have been vaccinated a year ago. Yeah, girl. They were giving rich people vaccines so long ago. And you know you're doing something wrong when Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens jump to your defense, and you're literally being used as a surrogate for the Republican Party on Fox News. Man. Bitch, that should have been that should have been my ticket to say I need to get this vaccine because now I've got these two clowns talking about how I'm correct. I'm obviously wrong, so I should probably go get the shot. And honestly, the fact that not only was she on Fox News, she retweeted Tucker Carlson 
Like, girl, what are you doing? Are you unaware of the fact that Fox News has been sued many times for being untruthful and misleading people in ways that are dangerous? Like, if you're researching, why don't you research that, bitch? It's like the first thing that comes up when you Google Fox News. Like, come on now. It's not actually news. It's slated as an entertainment channel. It's a hard time to be a barb. It's a hard, it's a hard knock life for barbs. It's a hard knock life for barbs. I had to return my barb until she wants to act right. I have to return it. I cannot support the shenanigans. It's either return your barb or go join the people in Atlanta who are down at the Capitol protesting in support of Nicki Minaj. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. me. What's happening? Oh. Hang on. You haven't seen those pictures? There was an entire protest. They all had their banners. They all had their signs. I stand with Nikki, like blah, 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 blah. Like oh, Nikki no, this, no, Nikki no, that. No, no, no. Listen. No. Lots of, and I saw a lot of people there, lots of gays. And I said, oh. <laughs> We've I, officially gotten to that point in the simulation where things are so deeply distorted that like nothing makes sense. None of it makes sense. I'll reiterate what was said last week. Nothing has made sense since December of 2019. I saw it in a tweet. I totally agreed with it. I was like, I don't think, I think if there's ever needed to be proof that we're living in a simulation, it's been the last year and a half. That has just cemented that for me. Like, how is any of this shit real? I just can't get over the fact that this lady really used her cousin's friend's ball sack as a defense against the vaccine. It's just too good to be true. And yet we are living it. So, Onika, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for giving us the entertainment we needed for these past few weeks during this very dark time. I hope your cousin's balls are doing better. The prime minister said such a man has not been located, but I hope they locate him because I didn't realize he was a missing person. And I hope for the best for him and his balls. And you know what? Since we're on the topic of Nicki Minaj, this is really not the only thing that's been kind of keeping her in hot water these days. And I really do feel like we need to question her judgment at this point, especially when it comes to this next situation. So the balls were funny. We all laughed. But then last week on the talk show The Real with none other than Garcelle Bouvet from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, if you didn't know, she is one of the hosts of that show. Queen um, icon. Yeah, she's a fucking icon, first of all. Ugh, she's just gorgeous beyond words. Oh, Sherry and I had a meal pretending to be Garcelle. This weekend we had Grio and Peakleys. <laughs> and if you don't know, Garcelle served that to her friends this season on Beverly Hills. Okay, anyway, this is not she did. Re- this is not reality TV. This we need to get back to the task at hand. On the real. They had a very special guest this week, um, a woman named Jennifer Huff, who had accused Nicki Minaj's husband of rape, spoke out in her first interview on television about a lawsuit she filed against the couple, accusing them of basically harassing her and intimidation. So she is saying that in 1996 or 1994, I'm sorry, Kenneth Petty, Nicki Minaj's husband raped her and she accepted a plea deal or he accepted a plea deal and 
was convicted of first degree attempted rape in New York City. He served crime. He served time for the crime. He has since been released and is married to Nicki Minaj. So this lady now is saying that she's being harassed by the two of them because they basically want her to recant her accusations and say like that this incident never happened, um, which is just absolutely horrible if that is true. Um, And since this lady filed a lawsuit, I find it hard to believe that she doesn't have any evidence or grounds to stand on. So there must be proof somewhere that they are intimidating her and trying to get her to come back on her accusations. And although the balls situation is funny, this is really horrible if this is true. I just want to know if Nikki is okay. I mean, does she have COVID currently? Why is she acting this way? It's like, it's, this happened way before she knew her husband, number one. Number two, you married a convicted rapist. That's a mess. Number three, he raped her. And if there's a lawsuit, they can use that as evidence because it happened. And they have preponderance of the evidence. Okay. Like, I, I don't, I don't right. understand what's going on. She's not okay. She's not okay. And well, uh, firstly, I think that Kenneth Petty, if I remember correctly, He's in some legal trouble right now for some type of sexual assault allegations that are not what has happened to Jennifer Huff, if I remember correctly. And let's also not forget that Nicki Minaj's brother is serving time for raping an 11-year-old, and she famously defended him before he was convicted as well. So this really honestly leads to a larger conversation about women who do not protect other women and it's really unfortunate because all the time people say well if this happened then why didn't someone say something at the time or like why didn't you go to the police and this just goes to show that even women sometimes are not supportive of the women who experience sexual violence and it's not a comforting feeling for those people who may experience said sexual violence and it is very discouraging even if you're not jennifer huff it can be someone, a, a random person who is does not know Nicki Minaj at all. It's like seeing her reaction to these allegations is deeply discouraging. And it honestly, I'm sure, has discouraged a lot of people from wanting to come forward with their own stories and struggles. She has also said that um, after her, I think her brother got convicted, that she's standing with her men. I think she doubled down twice after, yeah. Wait, she's like, I believe them. Girl, what? Yeah, so the legal trouble that Kenneth Petty is currently in, he failed to register as a sex offender in the state of California where they live. And so, yeah, now he's going to be sentenced for that crime in January. But yes, you're right. Nicki Minaj married him knowing that he was a convicted rapist, basically. And has since stood by his side and has vocally defended her husband. And I just find it to be extremely off-putting. And Jennifer Huff is saying that after Kenneth Petty was arrested for failing to register as a sex offender, 
I guess that's because of this 1994 case where he'd raped her. And so basically they have used intimidation tactics to try to get her to come back on her initial statement. And she felt that because of the pressure that they were putting on her, the only thing she could do in regards to the situation is come out and speak about it because she does not want to live in fear. And the only way she feels she can kind of get out of this situation is by bringing it to the forefront and letting people know what is happening to her. And it's just terrible. She said Nicki Minaj called her and offered to fly her and her family to Los Angeles. If she recanted her statement, she said she didn't want to. Um, and she so told me. Yeah, basically is, and that's what she's suing them for. She, Nikki, she said, she told Nikki Minaj woman to woman, this is what happened. This is who you are married to. And I'm sorry. I can't say it didn't happen because it 100% did. Um, then she started receiving threats. She said that um, one of Nikki Minaj and Kenneth Petty's associates put 20 grand in cash on her lap and basically said, take this money it will change your life. If you recant the statement, she would not. Um, then basically she's saying that the last message she received was them saying, if you were smart, you would have taken the money because we're going to use this cash and put it on your head as basically a fucking bounty. Is and this that Texas? is just wild. That is too much. This woman has clearly gone through a lot. You're really going to threaten her with violence, like more violence. I guess it, tra- it checks out because he's clearly a violent person, but I just don't understand who Nicki Minaj's PR team is and how they are continuing to let this happen. And I just feel at this point that unless we get an apology from Nicki Minaj, like she can't continue to have my support. Like this is really, really bad. It was really bad when she was defending her brother who was accused of raping an 11 year old. And it's also bad that she's not only defending her husband, but now threatening this poor innocent woman who has clearly gone through enough. I'm horrified. I don't know what else to say. I got to put up my barb. I do. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm honestly speechless about it all. Like it, it, it's like you said at the start, like literally. And it's like you said at the start, like we went from talking about like, oh yeah, the whole vaccine thing, the big balls thing, like that's funny. It's comedic. We can all like, and not look past it because it's still detrimental, but like, this is actually like dealing with not only like people's traumas, but it's people's lives like that she's fucking with. And like it, it shows a side of her that like, it's bad enough whenever we see this from people who don't have like a public image and a loud voice, but to see it coming from someone who does have as loud of a voice and influence and following as Nicki Minaj, uh, like truly where's the fucking PR? Like, I are they sleeping? Are they not like not, none of, none of this is okay. Like it's, it's disgusting. It's, I just can't imagine being a woman and being so okay dismissing what has happened to one, a child, and to another woman. Like, it is just 
truly egregious. And honestly, since we're on the topic, um, R. Kelly was convicted today. Sherry, I'm going to kind of need you to break this down for me because, you know, I'm not a legal jargon girl. Um, So what is happening? What is he convicted of? Is he going to prison? What's happening? Okay, so I just want to give a disclaimer. This is not legal advice. I am not a lawyer, not in law school, Um, (laughs) but I will do my best. Okay, Alexa Young, if you're listening to this, I would like you to audit my job that I did of explaining this. Okay, thank you. Girl, you know she's not listening to this. She's like far too busy for us and far too cool. I mean, I get it. She's a 1L right now and great for her. Great for her. Okay, so this is what happened. Um, R. Kelly was convicted yesterday of racketeering, which is, I will read you the definition. Racketeering is a type of organized crime, which if you watch Law & Order SVU, that's where Christopher Maloney came back as Elliot Stabler. Anyway, racketeering is a type of organized crime in which the perpetrator set up a coercive, fraudulent, extortionary, or otherwise illegal coordinated scheme or operation to repeatedly or consistently collect money or other profit. So that covers a broad range of things. And I just want to say this is a federal charge. R. Kelly has been in and out of courts since about the early 2000s in state courts, really, for individual kind of crimes like sexual assault and stuff like that, that have like that sort of, sort of statute of limitations, um, the feds came after him. And you don't want the feds coming after you. If the feds come after you, that means they have a pretty good case, which someone pray for Jen Shaw because she's, she's going to jail. Um, anyway, so racketeering, that could be a bunch of things. The mob, definitely, that is racketeering. It can include sex trafficking. It can include um, money laundering, All of that is under the charge of racketeering. So he was convicted of sex trafficking and racketeering. Yep. Uh, They said that the jury found the government proved 12 acts, which involved Aaliyah. You guys, that that one hit me in the chest. Aaliyah finally got some justice. Yeah. So sex trafficking, definitely that, that was huge. Like the fact that they acknowledged that Aaliyah was sex trafficked, 12 women, 12 women that they found. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. What's horrifying is that's 12 women that they have evidence to convict him of. Right. How many other women? How many more? Oh my gosh. Right. I, The situation with R. Kelly that I think is so bittersweet, seeing that he was convicted, obviously you feel a sense of relief, but it's also just, I feel like the largest nightmare that I can, like, it's like the scariest thought to me that this man has been doing this for like three decades. Think about it. He was married to Aaliyah when she was 15. That was 1995. That was 1995. Just, he was just convicted. Like that's it like the, is the backhand of justice. Like oh my god, it's such a fucking nightmare. Like I'm not even gonna lie. When Surviving R. Kelly came out, I had the most terrifying dreams. 
about this man because he's legitimately a monster who was living amongst us for so long. And the amount of people that were able to make this happen for him that knew that this was going on and not only turned a blind eye, but helped him and aided him. I need those people to go to prison too. Like, I'm sorry, the bodyguard from Surviving R. Kelly, who's telling all this shit, spilling all the tea, talking about Aaliyah, he deserves to get some time for that. Because this is just how, after 20 odd years, 30 years, are you just speaking about this? You should have gone to the fucking police, you monster. What is wrong with you? I will say that I do think Surviving R. Kelly, you know, we talk about these documentaries. I do think Surviving R. Kelly is what led to the federal indictment because for the first time someone correlated how it passed state lines and how these women traveled basically all over the United States and where he hit. So they were able, I feel like the feds were able to follow that timeline and say, okay, this all adds up. So yes. And I think to answer what you just said, Amanda, because of R Kelly's conviction, which he will get at least 10 years, I think to life, so 25, um, they are going to be able to go after his associates, which is amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, they need to because I am the type of person that like, okay, I'm in Enneagram number eight, also known as the challenger. So this kind of makes sense. But I'm the type of person where I can't even be in line at Starbucks and watch the person in front of me be rude to the barista. I've gotten in several fights this way where I'm like, you need to calm the fuck down, bitch. They're clearly doing the best that they can. Like you need to chill. I can't imagine on planet earth that I could ever in my life know that this monster is abusing teenage girls in just turn a blind eye to that. Like, I can't imagine how much money on earth someone could pay me where I would feel comfortable doing that. That is just absolutely insane. They need to go to fucking prison. I am interested to see what the black community is going to say about this. Cause in the black community, there's this whole thing. Well, maybe OJ didn't do it. And they do feel that way about R Kelly. Like, Oh, these girls are fast and they, they, I don't know, seduced him, which their children, they can't do that. He usually strikes when you're about 13. So um, that is not even in your realm of emotional education yet. It's, I'm interested because this is like the, besides Bill Cosby, this is like the first celebrity that people have known about for over 20 years that is a molester, a monster that is finally in jail. You know what I mean? Like, yes. But you know what? It's like the Bill Cosby situation. Black people let me down once again. He got out of fucking prison and everyone was like, oh, see, we knew Bill Cosby didn't do it. It's like, that just because he was released does not mean that he didn't fucking do it. It means that he's a rich person with the means to get out of fucking jail. And you're right, Sherry, this begs a larger question about sexual assault in the black community. And honestly, the amount of sexual violence that goes on in the black community is horrifying. It happens 
interfamilially with family members. It happens with older friends of family. And like, it is just horrible. And I think a lot of what happens with Black people is we internalize and normalize our trauma. So rather than being able to say this is wrong, it's kind of like, well, we've all been through it at this point. It's like these women are projecting their own insecurities based on their own trauma by saying things like, well, these girls are fast. I shouldn't have seduced him. It's like that's ingrained in their brains from what they've experienced in their own lives. That's what they were being told because constantly women in black communities are being sexually assaulted by adult men. I'm going to bring it back to Onika. I think that's what's going on with her, to be quite honest. It's a denial of some sort. Definitely. Especially her being in the music industry and she was with um, Young Money. She was the only woman. Like, I'm sure some things went down that were not kosher. Um, Definitely. 1000%. Definitely. It is the black way. Now we're not a monolith. So let me just let me just go ahead and put that out there. But the average is to just sweep it under the rug. Sweep it under the rug. Keep on. Let just stay away from that uncle. Don't don't go to so and so. So then if something happens to you, it's your fault instead of actually going after the abuser. That is what I find. And I'm sure that that comes from like colonialism in a sense, because you just had to stay quiet. So it just kind of it just kind of like permeated throughout the remaining culture, Um, which is which is interesting because Lord, if you touch my child. If you touch my child, even if they're not a child anymore, if you touch them, I will haunt you for the rest of your days. And like, I do want to say, I want to chime in and say like, yes, obviously this is horrifying what has happened with R. Kelly in this trial. I've had to like kind of stay away from it because it's just truly deeply disturbing to hear the things that this man has done to these women. But ultimately they're, is a silver lining and that silver lining is the fact that this monster is no longer on the street and these women are getting the justice that they deserve. And for that, I am truly happy and I'm happy for the victims who have been able to tell their stories in court for people to hear them. They re they got their power back and they put this man in prison and they're honestly all heroes for being able to do that. And I'm just floored. Yes. Well, bringing it back, so R. Kelly, this is not the end for him in court. He still has another federal case that he has to go through, which is about child pornography and obstruction of justice. But he also has like other state cases like in Minnesota. And I think there was another place where he still has cases open. Um, Let's see. In 2019 in Minnesota, he was actually charged with engaging in prostitution with a minor. So the fact that Illinois is going back to his old case in Chicago in 2008, where he was acquitted. And a lot of people would be like, that's double jeopardy. No, it's not. It's not going to be the older child pornography cases. I believe this will be the ones they didn't touch. So the ones that happened after 2008, they will address those child pornography cases because he started he we all know based on the documentary that man loves to tape himself 
Okay, well, I think we all deserve a quick break, a breather after that very heavy conversation. And we will talk web sleuths when we get back after this. And we are back. If you have not heard the name Gabby Petito, you are truly living under a rock. And I urge you to come out from said rock and see what it is that the entire world is talking about. If you don't know Gabby Petito, she is a young woman who was missing for weeks, who unfortunately, after the help of everyone on the internet searching to find her, was found, but tragically ended did her story. And I just really feel like there is so much to discuss here. But the first thing that I think is interesting is the way that social media and the internet has really been able to change the way that we investigate cases. If it were not for TikTok, Gabby Petito may still be missing today because the people of TikTok really put the timeline of this entire story together and they were ahead of the police. Like they were giving the cops tips basically. And without the people of TikTok truly caring and investing in the well-being of this girl, I don't know that we would have known what happened to her. Um, She was on a cross country road trip with her boyfriend, Brian Landry, who, or Laundry, who has not been seen in, I think, two weeks now. His legal counsel has admitted that they have no idea where he is. His family has also admitted they have no idea where he is. And just this past week, there has been a warrant issued for his arrest. So, I am curious to see what happens. I think the internet knew that. Brian had something to do with it. I mean, the entire situation is just so sketchy. The fact that he returned home with Gabby's van without Gabby and didn't even mention that she was missing is like the biggest red flag. Like you didn't report her missing because you know where she is because you killed her. Probably it's wild. This whole entire case is just absolutely wild Watching this case live, the first thing that I thought of, like, whenever the reports were first coming in about her missing and it was first starting to take, like, the national stage, I haven't, I haven't felt that since the Chris Watts case. And I specifically remember watching the Chris Watts case and very similar to the Gabby Petito case, like, from the very beginning, you know exactly what happened, unfortunately. Like, it's... You hope for the best, but you expect the worst. And eventually the truth comes out and it, it, it's it's even more horrifying than you could have imagined. And I'm like, I think in terms of the internet, it's, it's something that is incredibly interesting about today and true crime is like the double-edged sword that is social media and people online, like these like web sleuths basically like going on and, and, and becoming private investigators for cases because the amount of tips that they give to police that go nowhere, it can muddy the system. It can make it difficult. 
But at the same time, you've got people with a, a certain perspective that may not have been on the case otherwise. And I do not envy the people that have to feed through those tips, like, because I can't imagine how many, you know, false, like just, just dead ends that you get to. And in this case in particular, like it's kind of amazing how quickly things have happened and how fast they were able to find what happened. But I mean, it doesn't make it any less tragic. And I, I, I feel like he, from the beginning was on the run and that was very clear, but now it's like, there's this warrant out for his arrest. There's the debit card usage. And I personally, on my side of things, it feels very, very fishy from the family's perspective. And I've had my eye on them from the very beginning because they know exactly what happened. You can't tell me that he didn't go to them and tell them what he did and that they're not covering for him now. And part of me actually thinks that this debit card usage was actually from them. And I think that they may be trying to set a little bit of a breadcrumb trail um, because there's all kinds of shit that they've been doing that seems sketchy and and yeah, weird. Yeah, like and- Gabby's family when they couldn't get in touch with her, reaching trying to reach out to his family and them yeah. not answering. Like what? Yeah. That's so weird. Why would you not answer if her family called unless you knew something was wrong? It, it's just self incrimination. Like it, there, there is something I will say. There is something to be said about like wanting a lawyer present for things. I understand that. I get it. But in this, this situation of a family to family, the kinds of things that they were refusing to talk about and refusing to answer, like it's just, it, it, it gives them away right off the bat. It immediately puts a massive target on them that says, like, you obviously know what happened then. Like, you're not just asking for a lawyer to protect yourself. Like, you, you know what's going on and you're buying them some time. And they, they need to pay for that. Like, um, I do think that the police are not doing this is the through line with every documentary is the police goes one way and they only go that way. And that's the only path to the investigation. And legitimately this is giving me don't fuck with cats. We all know that documentary, that case in what was it? 2012 with that man in Canada who was first abusing animals online and body from Las Vegas solved the crime for the police and she sent it to them and they didn't listen. And he ended up murdering someone on video. And this is what frustrates me. This is this is just how archaic the system is. Because when I was watching, what was it? That that murderer in um in England, the same thing happened where it was like people were telling him the the detective, these the ripper. Orphan, the ripper, thank you. Yeah, when I was watching the ripper, the same thing happened. They gathered the evidence because they interpreted the evidence in one way. They could not find him. And they had been giving the answer before. It's it's highly infuriating. How are these people that do not have any experience in detective work putting this together and you're ignoring it? What What is the point? Because of your initiative, we did not find this girl alive. That's how I feel. And because of your lack of initiative, now Brian or Brandon, what's his name? Brian is now gone. And I think he might have hurt himself, to be quite honest. I think he... That's what I think, too. Yeah, I think he did something to himself. I think he's potentially mentally ill because his actions are not one of a sane person. 
If I murdered someone, I'm going to drive that person's vehicle back to their house. What? That's. I that's feel not like a, I feel like at this point, the search and the warrant for Brian is. I think it's it's looking for a body at this point with where they think he is. I mean, they've come out several times and said like the kind of climate and like where they they believe he might be. Like he's either very close to death or he's died by now. Like so he he he's not. They're not. They're not going to find him alive. And he won't go alive. He won't let them take him alive. Which just is fucking sick. Like, oh, God. Yeah, that is absolutely sick. This case did bring up a lot of important talking points, one of which is the conversation around recognizing abusers and, like, narcissistic sociopaths, knowing when you're dealing with one and kind of the signs and what to do from there. I think what's interesting is we should probably, yes, tell people like these are the warning signs and things to look out for. But also why don't we keep that same energy when it comes to people's friends and family? Like if Brian Landry's or Laundry's family had been more astute to the fact that he was unstable and probably shouldn't be alone with this girl, she may be alive today. And I think that's a conversation we don't have where it's always like, beware, look out for the signs. You should know when you're dealing with a dangerous person. It's like, well, who are the people who were dealing with them before me who are to know them better than anyone? They should be the ones who are making sure that they are getting those people the help that they need and the supervision that they need so that they don't murder someone. But there are so many, and correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't there a lot of like, a lot of laws in place where you like a person can't be committed, like unless they themselves agree to that. Like, I know that's a situation that like, it's a, it's a topic. It depends on the state. I think. Yeah. I think it depends on the state. Certain, certain states have certain stipulations where like, if you're like a danger to yourself or others, then you can be, or like stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I do feel like that's an extreme case. It's also something where if you're noticing someone in your family has narcissistic tendencies or the ability to be somewhat violent, maybe you say, I don't think it's best for you to go on a cross country road trip with you and your girlfriend who have been experiencing many issues. I think what would be best is for you to stay here and stabilize. And when you are better, then maybe we can talk about going on a cross country trip. That does not require Baker reacting someone or committing them. That's simply having an honest conversation with your loved one. And I don't think people do that. So often people are like, well, I didn't see the signs. It's like, that's just not an answer. People didn't ju- don't just murder people out of nowhere. Like, there had to be some type of behavior that was there. And a couple who has obviously had rough and... <laughs> like dangerous interactions with each other. Like we've all, we all saw that video of um, like the cop footage of them in the car. And I mean, she's like sobbing. She's very obviously like not in a good state. And like, even though she's saying like, no, it's okay. Like, Oh my God. Like it, 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 and that, that's, I think the other thing about true crime today, as well as our access to seeing things happen live, not only following the case, but seeing footage, seeing details that we might not have been able, that we wouldn't have been able to see like, you know, 20 plus years ago. Like, and it adds a whole new level of like 
it adds a personal level to the case as you're following it that like you're you're seeing after the fact like in that perspective has always been interesting to me because like knowing the outcome you tend to look at those kinds of things with a different eye whereas like at the time that it was happening like the cop followed the protocol that they would do like he had them separated he had them talked to when on like but at the same time like i i can't imagine like looking back on the now and like knowing that like this all could have been prevented like if if only like one more measure was taken and like i think another interesting conversation that's come out of this case is the fact that gabby is a young white woman who was missing and it got a ton of social media and media attention and the amount of black indigenous and people of color who are also missing who don't get that same energy i think is a really interesting conversation that's being brought up around this case and something that needs to be talked about because i think there are hundreds of missing women in canada that no one just like gives a damn about I give a damn about them because I listen to a podcast about them, but no one is looking for them. No one is posting on social media, tracking their whereabouts. Those women will likely be forgotten, unfortunately. And I think it's a fair criticism. Well, I read this opinion article a while back and it was, it was before the Gabby case, but I remember it like striking up conversations about it because like there's this, you know, backhanded side of the situation whenever it's um a person of color or uh where there's this insinuation and assumption from people that 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 person that that victim or that missing person must have done something to put themselves in that situation whereas when it's someone like this this you know very pretty white girl which none of disclosure none of what we're saying right now in any way negates the case of gabby but other but people of color need the same exact treatment and they need the same exact devotion to their cases and not this assumption that they deserved what they got or that they are putting them, that they put themselves in that situation. Like it, it, it leaves me speechless. Like it, whenever you see like the numbers of, of, of unreported or, or unsolved missing persons cases and how drastic of a change there is in that person being treated seriously and searched for and getting all this national attention and if it's a person of color, it just kind of goes under the radar because, oh, well, what did they, the first question people ask is, well, what, what did they do to get themselves in that situation? Why didn't they see the signs first? Like they must've said or done something. It just reminds me of the case of the Atlanta monster way back in, what was that? The seventies Yes, and how that was happening for months and no one cared because it was little black kids. Um, and it was after quite a few of them had to, be killed before anybody even batted an eye. If that was the seventies, we are now in 2021 and that shit is still happening 50 years later. It's absolutely bananas. Uh, I think it's very interesting that a lot of, I wouldn't even say press. I think a lot of results are being not given. That's not the word. Um, I just think a lot of avenues are being pursued finally with BIPOC cases that are leading to them getting solved now and getting closure, which is sad. I'm sure everyone heard about that grad student who has been missing and he was found in the river 
And that was so sad. And I do believe that that is a result of the criticism of the Gabby Petito case. Um, And I think it made the police in that area say, okay, let's get on this and solve that. Another active case right now is Maya Marcano in Orlando. Uh, She has been missing for a while. I really hope she's okay. Um, They are now suspecting the maintenance man at the apartment complex in which she worked, which is also where she lived. Um, So if you don't know about this case, she was supposed to get on a flight home. She never made it to the flight. And that's how people knew she was missing. I think it's been over a week since I've seen the reports, meaning she could be missing for a long, a lot longer. As with any missing person case, of course, if you see, know, or suspect anything, 100% call and report it, even if you feel like it's something that is not of relevance. So many people were able to piece together the timeline of Gabby and Brian's trip simply because they maybe walked past them or were sitting next to them at a cafe. And those tips are so important. I know for me as a person, I love to report all suspicious activity. Like even if I'm driving on the interstate and I see like a sketchy car, like I've called 911 multiple times to say, hey, this is not an emergency. I'm just saying I saw something weird on the side of the 75. You just never know whose life you could be saving by reporting anything you see. And as we're seeing today too, like, I mean, I see it all over Twitter all the time and I I fully I'm on board with it. Like, Report it to the police. Sure. Like, yeah, make a make an official report. But at the same time, if someone's missing, post that shit on Twitter, post that shit on Instagram, get people sharing it, get people talking about it. Like I will never pass up a retweet. Like whenever I see stuff and you know, they've got hundreds of thousands of retweets as these things get out. And like, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of tips that come out of these things that can be, you know, dead ends. But at the same time, like it's at least granting exposure and it's at least, letting letting web do what they clearly do best like someone it, it's 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 that time timeless saying it's someone knows something like someone knows something someone has seen something it's a matter of finding that person who did who might not have registered it at the time but can say oh wait a second i do remember last week seeing this weird thing on the interstate that i didn't report at the time but you know what maybe it had something to do with this and it's at least a lead that somebody can follow up on so this has been a very heavy case. So we're just getting our episode in general. So I think let's just go ahead and um, wrap it up here. I don't think it's right for us to be laughing and joking at the expense of so many people's tragedies. I feel for Gabby's family and honestly for the entire world who was so hopeful that we would be able to find her alive. And it's such a tragedy truly it's so so sad and i think what i get out of this is just knowing in your gut when you just know something is wrong and being able to leave that situation is just so important like even if even if you're afraid of like coming off as rude or mean like do what you need to do to save yourself and it's what they say on one of our favorite podcasts on crime junkie be weird be rude stay alive like be weird, be rude, it. stay alive. Also, my favorite mur- murder says... Stay sexy. Stay sexy stay and, sexy don't, and get don't get murdered. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so with that... Three, two, one. We, we out. out.